Access more. Oh, yeah, that's right, friends. The mic is on and popping for season five. And today we are welcoming Grammy award-winning artist and songstress Tasha Cobbs-Leonard. Thank you, Jesus. It's about time because we're going there. Welcome back to the podcast, friends. I'm your host, Bianca Wattis-Oltoff. Can I confess something? I have missed you. Really, I have. But we're back and I'm excited to jump into the interview and topic at hand. I'm sure as we are kicking off season five at this point in the year, I'm sure you've probably heard the phrase boss babe or girl boss. In fact, the hashtags girl boss and boss babe have swept social media with almost 10 million Instagram hits respectively to date. Women are using these tags on their photos to demonstrate their professional or personal strength, fearlessness, successes, and ambition. And in some cases, a desire to help lift up others in the process. But something about these titles and the ethos behind it Can I be honest? It's just really rubbed me the wrong way. It seems that by having to identify ourselves as girl boss and shouting our girlness and bossness from the hashtag rooftops, that we're overcompensating for something. I don't know. Why not just show our successes by being a good boss? I believe, regardless of our genders, then we can let our work and our quality speak for themselves. Maybe it's the writer and the teacher in me, but my goal is to show not tell. Telling someone I'm a boss really has no effect. Showing them my actions speaks volumes. On today's episode, we are kicking off season five with the incomparable, uber-talented Tasha Cobbs-Leonard. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Now, if you have ever followed me on social media or have listened to my Sunday morning Jesus jams, then you know I am a huge fan of this woman. If you have lived under a rock and don't know who this amazing songstress is, Tasha Cobbs Leonard was raised in Jessup, Georgia, and there she was the worship leader for Jessup New Life Ministries founded by her late daddy, Bishop Fritz Cobbs. Tasha later moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and she served under William Murphy III. Hello. I mean, her roots are deep, y'all. In less than a decade, Grammy award-winning singer and songwriter Tasha Cobbs Leonard has become one of the most iconic artists in gospel music history. I mean, friends, she has worked on songs with Kira Shard, Nicki Minaj, Brooke Lidgerwood, and Brandon Lake, just to name a few. But she's more than just a songstress and a creative. She's also executive pastor of Purpose Place Church alongside of her pastor and husband, Kenneth Leonard. She's a wife and a stepmom and a newly minted adoptive mama to the cutest freaking kid second to my knees, Luna, and his name is Asher. This woman could use these hashtags all day, every day of boss babe, but instead she uses her entrepreneurial, pastoral, and creative prowess to show, not tell. I can't wait for you to get to know and love this beautiful, talented woman of God. Today, I want to talk about the weapon behind this woman. But before we jump in, do me a favor. Will you take notes and jot down quotes and tag us on social media so that we can repost your learnings? I love when our guests know the impact that they're having. So let's show at Tasha Cobbs Leonard some love on the gram. Tasha Cobbs Leonard, I just want to officially say I'm so excited that you're on the podcast. I'm so excited to be on the podcast. Man, this is incredible. I mean, here's the fun part, too, is that you don't even know this yet, but you are going to be our season five opener. And it's a vibe in season five. So, like, literally, I would... Okay, so just so that everyone knows how I'm, like, geeking out about this, I have such a mad level of respect for you. I really do. And so it was kind of on a whim, on a lark, on a Hail Mary, and a prayer. I was like, I wonder... I wonder if Tasha Cobbs Leonard would be on the podcast. And so when I reached out and you said, yes, I'm not even kidding you. Yes, I'm dramatic, but I'm not a liar. I like fell to the floor. I said, Jesus, this is a miracle. We're going to start season five and it's a full vibe. So I just want to say thank you for being on the podcast. 
Man, this is incredible. And it was an absolute yes with no thought. Uh, you are seriously, sis, one of the most powerful voices of our generation. Um, and I am just honored to be a part. So I'm honored to be on the podcast. I'm honored to laugh and talk or whatever. <laughs> I know it's going to be incredible. So thank you. Thank you for trusting me too. Yes. To, to your audience. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. So one of the things that I love on, on podcasts is that I get to allow people to meet and frame a different viewpoint of someone that they think they might know. And so I first met you in real life. Now, I, as a, a watcher and admirer from far, I always admired your music, your writing style. I mean, for those that don't know, you are not just a songstress and a Grammy award-winning artist. You are a pastor. You are a stepmom. You are a mom. You are a business entrepreneur, hustler. There's so much to you. But I always knew you as like a worship leader, as a worship artist, as a creative. And then, and then I met you in New Jersey at Dr. Darius Daniels Church and, and, and you preached. I said, Jesus, that's not fair. That, that's yeah. not fair. This is a 10 talent woman. I always, you know what I said? Hand to heaven, hand to heaven. I said, Lord, I want to preach the way that Darius Sneed and Tasha Cobbs Leonard sings. And then uh, you didn't go up there and just sing. You also preach. I said, Jesus, that's not fair. That is not <laughs> fair, Lord. <laughs> wow. So this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. Today in our time together, I want to honor your time. Um, you are a busy woman. You are leading a church. And you are kids and you have businesses to run, all the other stuff. So I want to honor your time as much as possible. But this is what I will say. Right now, there's a lot of talk and scuttlebutt about boss babes and the hustlers club but I want to talk, I really want to go deep into the weapon behind the woman that you are. And I think in order to do that, we need to get a little bit of history about your journey as an artist, as a creative, as a follower of Jesus, as a lover of God, as a lover of humanity. And so I want to just kind of pull back the layers. We could see the Tasha Cobbs letters today that all of us know and love. And if they don't know and love you yet, they will by the end of this podcast. <laughs> I really want to kind of pull back the layers and take a look at like, how did you become the woman that you are today? And um, I resonated so much with your story, your closeness with your dad, um, baby desires as a stepmom, as a blended family, all this other stuff. And so people can look at you today, but like, what's the genesis of Tasha Cobbs before she's Tasha Cobbs Leonard or the Tasha Cobbs that most people know. Take us on that journey. Who's that girl? And how did, how did the call upon your life get started? Wow. This is so loaded. I'm sitting here thinking of so many things that I could say, so many places to start. I'll start here. I grew up in a family of believers. My father, my father started pastoring when I was 10 years old. And um, my mother was like an intense worshiper. And it was so different because I grew up in a Pentecostal holiness church. So, you know, in our community, we shout, we dance, we sing, we praise. Um, but it was very, very rare that you had moments of depth in the spirit. And I remember my mother was always very intentional about her pursuit of worship and her um, just being intentional about staying at the feet of Jesus. I remember so many times she, she um, I don't know how many people can relate to this, but my mother, she worked a government job for 38 years. And so she was stationed at Fort Stewart in Hinesville, Georgia. And so she would drive 35 minutes to work every day. And I remember so many times she would pull up 
um, into the garage and just sit. And we were like, what is mama doing outside? And if you open the door, you would see tears streaming from her face and she would be in communion with, with, uh, with Jesus. And um, one of my mentors says it this way. He says, much is taught, but most is caught. And I believe um, from, from watching my father, how he led our church and how he birthed leaders and watching my mother, how, how she was so intentional about uh, man maintaining her posture at the feet of Jesus, uh, I was catching it. You know, all of those years I was just catching it. And it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, so much so about what he taught from the pulpit as much as it was, you know, what he taught me with his life. Um, one of the one of the instances that stands out so vividly to me as a I was about 10 years old and I just had a peculiar life. I remember, you know, during the summer, my grandmother and the mothers of the church, they had uh, noonday prayer is what they used to call it. And I would cry literally to go to noonday prayer. So I would be the only four or five year old child on the morning's bitch with the mothers, you know, seeking the face. Wait, wait, of as you wanted to go or you didn't want to go? I wanted to go. So I would cry if they wouldn't <laughs> let me go. <laughs> My favorite place has always been the church, the house wow. of God. Um, and so I was that kid, super, super <laughs> peculiar. And so I remember being 10 years old and um, maybe eight or eight. Eight, between eight to 10. And my uncle, he lived in Las Vegas at the time and he was an intercessor, a strong prayer warrior. And he came and my father had a room right above my room upstairs that we called the upper room. It's where he would go study. And, uh, you know, I guess the power of God lived in there, literally. And my uncle was up all night stumping around. I could hear him. I'm like, I can't sleep. Oh my gosh, will somebody stop him? I mean, it was like four or five in the morning. And I remember that next morning he called me down. They called me out of my room and he asked my parents if he could share with them what God had told him about me. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is this is really what kind of changed my whole perspective about my calling and what God was had purposed me to do in the earth. Uh, he said to them, he said, Tasha's anointing is peculiar and the anointing is attractive. And he told them, he said, you know, starting from this day forward, you guys have to commit to uh, protecting her gift and covering her anointing because there will be things that try to attack, attach themselves uh, to her because the anointing is attractive. And then he looked at me and he said the same thing to me, you know, and of course, as a 10 year old, you're not completely digesting it all, but you know that something super important is happening right now. And I give my parents kudos because throughout my life, though we kept that word at the forefront of our lifestyle, they did not um, shelter me. You know, they were very, I would say that they were, they were just led. I was allowed to go to the movies. I still hung out with my friends. But I think the fact that I heard the word of God myself, um, there, were, there were things that I just, I knew, hey, I can't do that because there's something special about my anointing. You know, and of course I failed. I had my faults and all that and, and all of that. But always that word always stood out to me that, you know, there's something super peculiar about who you are. And so on top of mom and daddy, you got to make sure that you are doing what it takes to cover yourself as well. And so my entire life um, has been about that. And I remember from that day until this one, I prayed this prayer over my life uh, that God would cover me and never take his anointing away. As a child, I would pray that prayer every single day. Never take your anointing away from me and whatever that meant 
you know, as a 10 year old, that is what the purpose of my heart was. And it's grown into something totally different now that I have an understanding and revelation of uh, of the grace and the anointing that God has entrusted me with. But it's so interesting, you know, that I would pray that prayer every day. Don't take your oil away from me. Don't take your anointing away away from me. And, 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 and I'll say this before we move to the next place. I believe that prayer, it kept an awareness for me, you know, that this is different. There's something special on you. And praying that prayer just kept it in, in my face. <laughs> you know, even when I didn't want it to be there, it's something that it would be a little reminder, a nagging in my ear that, hey, there's a, you don't want to lose your oil. You don't want to lose your grace. Um, and so that that's the foundation of who I am. My father was a Bible teacher. I remember before he went to be with the Lord, I remember times when I would have to preach, like you were just talking about. I would call him and say, Dad, you know, I was reading this scripture. Can you tell me what this is about? And he was one of those ones who just pop it off. You know, it's not the Bible was literally in his heart. <laughs> and he would say, Well, such and such scripture says this and this. And uh he was a Bible teacher, and that was that was such a, I guess, one of those things that I caught as well, that it's in it is important to hide the word of God in your heart. Um, so that's the foundation of Tasha Cobbs uh, before Tasha Cobbs Leonard. And I believe it was it's super important to have that foundation. Oh, 100%. And I think that people can take a look at your life and think like, oh, well, you're skilled or you're talented. But I really want to drive home this fact that like you're anointed and mm. very, very apparent. And so there's a lot of amazing people who, who, who sing and they sing worship unto the Lord and it is beautiful. But there's something in your anointing that allows... Uh, people to change and experience the glory of God. Now, okay, so here's the fun part. Here's the fun part that I know that might not everyone might not know that you are a phenomenally skilled preacher and teacher and communicator. So this is this is what I want. And so I've, I've been looking at your life and again, I just feel like your cheerleader in today's podcast because when you guys launched your church, you guys are two years old, right? Two years this Sunday, we celebrate. It's, okay, all okay, okay. So first of all, congratulations. Thank you. People don't know. They do not know that how hard church planning is. Okay. They just, yeah, they yeah, absolutely, yeah. there's no clue. Yeah, yeah. But you guys are two years old and you guys survived a global pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the craziness of all of this has been, so my husband and I, we are, we have our, our church is three years old. So we're a year ahead yeah. of you. We're the, we are your seniors. And yes. <laughs> when the pandemic happened, it, like honest, honest to God, we were open for 15 months and then we were closed wow. for 16 months because we're in California and it was like full on lockdown. It was crazy. Yeah. Bananas. yeah. And so um, one of the things that I think is like a huge diversifying factor about y'all's church, which is similar to Matt and I's church, is that you are a communicator on the regular so I want, I want to, I want to kind of like lift the hood. I want the tea. Like how did the church begin? And then when you guys were dreaming and building out your ideal church, how did you guys, one, land on the name two decide who was going to carry what and how, as the church was shaping, did you face any resistance with you as a female communicator or preacher or teacher of the gospel? Woo! Man, that's loaded. So, um, well, take as much time as possible because I feel like I'm getting free therapy today. So, unpack it, sister. Free therapy today. Um, uh, Kenny and I, now this is the funny part. I told you my father was a pastor. I've been walking with pastors my entire life. And one of my requests that I made to the Lord is that my husband not be a pastor. Okay. I said the I just, same thing. Oh, yeah. 
you know, I've done this my whole life. Give me something new, you know? Yes. Uh, so I tell everybody that Kenny tricked me, uh, <laughs> which is, which is, you know, I, I was just completely blind by choice because Kenny is also uh, the son of, of ministers and leaders. He's been in church his entire life. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it lines up. Um, so after we got married, he waited probably about a year or so before he said, you know, babe, I really, I'm really feeling the call. I'm like, absolutely not. Okay. We're not going to have to my life right now. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, And so we actually accepted an assignment where God brought us to uh, South Carolina. We served at Relentless Church as the worship pastors. That was the first time we served in a pastoral position together. And it was so key um, for us uh, cultivating how our styles, you know, how we collab, how this works. Um, And that that was we did that for almost two years. And uh, we had been walking with our pastors. Our pastor is uh, Pastor Darius Daniels um, and our spiritual fathers, William Murphy and and Brian Pierce. And we had been talking to them. About three years about yeah we cover cover you are you cover covered again I'm like Lord how about one of them for me come on Jesus <laughs> and so we have been talking to them about um the transition and, and, and making sure that we did everything um in order and that we were prepared and so for three years we built you know just like you were saying we were building this out planning this out and you know we church kids so we know how church goes yeah they traveled the world doing worship, so we had these amazing expectations for the worship encounter, like training the worship team in the creative arts. I mean, we had it all written down, yeah. sister. And um, bam, here comes the pandemic. <laughs> Uh, kids who who know how to do church and what do church people do when you can't be in church? You yeah. know, how do you start a church? and not have a church. Yeah. So um, the Lord said, I want you to move forward in the plan that you, you've prepared for. And uh, that was that was so different. It was so, it was, for me every week, it was so refreshing though. It was so um, powerful to watch people log on, um, not by force. They didn't have anybody saying, oh, wow, you went to church today. Kudos. Congratulations to you, you know, to watch people in their living rooms crying out before God and um, taking notes and, and and really growing from the word that was being shared through Kenny. Kenny is actually the lead pastor of our church. I am. I'm, I'm just his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Do not say that. No, 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 no. You cannot say just his wife because I see you. I'm creeping. I watch. You are teaching. You are prophesying. You are worshiping. Do not say... I I'm just his wife because you are not on the front pew. You might sit there for a minute. We carry it together. We do. We carry it together. Um, I serve as the executive pastor at our church. So um, all of that entrepreneur, administrative gifts, we put that to use. Um, But but Kenny, you know, he had here's here's something that's incredible. Kenny had never taught on a stage or platform. He had never preached. Wait. When we started our church, not one time. Yeah, he had done workshops. Of course, he's a masterful producer, musician. So that's the scare. He's dealing with a whole other scary thing that's going on. And I'm here supporting, encouraging, saying, you know, babe, this is how you line this up. This is how you write this out. And to watch how God has taken him from, from his first 
time teaching until how he pours and pours and pours and lays at the feet of Jesus. And um, he, the way he teaches at our church, it is absolutely, people would never believe, just like you just said, that, that his first time was April 9th. I did not know that. Honest to God, honest to God. And this is another testament of like what you guys are building and how beautiful it is, is because clearly, clearly you have got to hear from God if what you're producing, what you're sharing in, wow. in his lack of experience and yet comes across with such depth, revelation and wisdom. I mean, I had respect yeah. for him before. And now <laughs> this podcast was supposed to bless me. And I'm like, Lord, I'm a little jealous. Like, come on, Jesus. <laughs> I watch in awe. You know, I watch in awe. And I think one of the things that I really, really love um, and I grow from is the purity, the purity of his heart and his presentation, not having had that um, that experience and even influence, you know, that, that sometimes you have when you travel the world and you're thinking, oh, I got to present it this way. I got to present it that way. Kenny's life and his world of ministry had only been behind a keyboard or, you know, uh, leading, being a music director. And so now for him to be on the platform presenting the word of God, it's, it's so amazing to watch his creative skill coupled with his communicative skills and how he presents to our church. It is it is incredible. So I'm so super, super proud of that. But that's how we started. So we started on Zoom. We said, hey, we're just going to put this out. And whoever decides to join us, we were shocked that anybody logged on. You know, <laughs> One of the things that we love, one of, a part of the assignment that God has given the Purpose Place is that we are to always, uh, our foundation is to always pour into the community. So, you know, our, our mission is to restore hope to the community. So before we ever had a church service, we did outreach. We went to the hospitals in Spartanburg and we we fed the doctors who were serving COVID patients. We, we fed the nurses. We we took over our targets and stood at the doors of Target and handed out uh, uh, gift cards to every person who walked in the door. This is a, a church that's never had church, but we are out really representing Christ in the community, um, giving away gas to people. And it's amazing how you get testimonies from people who may not have ever walked into the four walls of your church. Church, yeah. But because you're going to where they are, yes. it has been a blessing to see how it has impacted our community and how they've received us so well. Even though we didn't have a building, you know, we we had didn't have a name in the city, but there was something super special that God placed on that ministry that now is impacting um, Spartanburg, South Carolina. So I'm super proud of our church, our leaders, and what God is doing there. It's amazing. It's so beautiful to hear you kind of uh, take a, a little bit through your journey. And there's so much more to this. And I want to make sure that there's time that we touch on that. But as I'm listening to you, the weapon behind this woman of you has been your mother and has been your father and is now your husband. And you've been surrounded. God has brought some amazing people around your life. I love yeah. that you give honor where honors due. And um, it's so beautiful to hear. It's so beautiful mm -hmm. to celebrate. I love watching what you guys are doing. I think it's phenomenal. I think it's it's new and it's fresh. And I love, I love the idea of of women in leadership and then mm -hmm. co-leading along with their spouse. I really do think that there's something new generational that's happened yes. where instead of it's like a man competing with a woman or one that becomes subservient to the other, there's really this co-learning, uh, yeah. co co-leading that's going on that I'm seeing within the next generation. And I'm, 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 I'm here for, I'm very excited. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so 
alongside of the church, you have stepped into not just like co-leading with your husband and that sort of stuff, but you're also like stepping into a family, an auto family with his. Um, When I married my husband, gosh, now 11 years ago, it was a whole new ecosystem because they already existed. My husband has two kids prior to us getting married. I like to say I'm the 2.0 version. I'm the upgrade. I'm the Joel 225 in his life. The years that the locust has eaten, I'm the one that the Lord has called to restore. So anyway, a little bit of brag on myself. But anyway, I see you stepping into step parenting. And um, so you guys knew each other because you guys uh, did music and worship together. At what point did you realize that it wasn't just friendship, that it was love? And at what point did you start wrestling through the question of, can I step into his life? Can I step into step parenting? I want to know what were kind of, what were kind of the, the weapons behind the woman in that season. Thank you for this question. I think it's important even in in, um, in the kingdom that we talk about this more. Yeah. There are so many blended families uh, trying to figure it out. And I believe that there are, are those of us who have experienced it and who are now looking looking on the other side, you know, who can give wisdom and, and can share our experiences. So I think it's, it's important that we talk about this more. Um, my husband and I, we met at a worship conference in 2009. Um, it's really funny at that time I was I had all these walls up trust problems issues depression all this thing you know all this was going on uh just some things that I had to walk through before God released me to the world and some things um that I was dealing with and so he met me in the middle of that I remember I was traveling with uh William Murphy and William Murphy had to sing that night but he was also teaching a class that day and so his class went over time he didn't have a chance to do his rehearsal so he looked at me and he said Todd you gotta go do my rehearsal so I run over there and the band and the singers there singing the wrong version of the song which is praise is what I do okay so I walk in and I'm like Stop it. Cut. Now, Kenny's story is way more dramatic in, than mine. I'm going to give you a little. This, this is what I remember, okay? I, want this. I also want to know what would he say. Give his, give it, get the little bit of Kenny sauce up in there because I want to know his version too. No, he would say I walked in screaming. I did not. I was just like, hey, guys, let's, um, I'm, I'm Tasha. I'm representing William Murphy here, and this is the wrong version of this song. So here I am, just completely, you know, got walls up, callous. Yeah, that I walked through all of that. All right, and um, he stands up, very calm, same Kenny that we know today, and he says, "Hi, my name is Kenneth Leonard. Um, I, I hear you saying that this is the wrong version. If you can just send it to me, hand me his business card. I mean, just all." Don't you see that I'm worked up right now? So you need to come up a notch. I mean, super calm. It hands me the business card. He says, if you can email me the right version, we'll have it together by tonight. And so everything about me just literally calmed down. There was a peace. And I'm thinking to myself, who is this dude? What in the world is going on? You know, and, uh, needless to say that night, they fixed everything. It was it was incredible. The worship moment was absolutely amazing. And um I was on my way home and during, I'm going to age myself now. So during that time, it was in my space and there was, a, <laughs> there was a direct message that came through on my MySpace. I don't even know if they called them direct messages, but whatever. <laughs> came through on my MySpace and it said, hey, this is Kenneth from last night. I never do this, but I really feel like uh, uh, there for some reason we need to stay connected. So I wanted to reach out and share my information. And I was like, hey. That is a full man. I just clapping for him. Like, yes. <laughs> yes, and not, he wasn't creepy. He wasn't creepy. He just said, I feel like we should be connected. 
really, really good. And I mean, so he was just who he is now. He's just a great guy. And so um, from that moment until now, we became the best of friends. And I mean, literally, it was just friends at the time. I, I would get Kenny dressed for dates and say, you need to take that off. You know, he would Skype me and I'd be like, you know, put on a tie, take that tie off. We've gone through so many dates together, you know. And um, after, it was a few years after he had gone through a marriage. He had two daughters and um, he was just in a dark place. And he called me one day and he said, I really, really need my friend. And I could hear his heart. I could hear his spirit. And our friendship went to another place. It kind of shifted. It transitioned from, you know, just hanging out, being cool and getting dressed for dates into being a covenant that's something, something that God had put together. And um, he is just, he's to this day, he's the calm to my storm. And my bonus babies are absolutely everything. Our oldest daughter, she's at Fayetteville State. Uh, she is a junior next year in college. And she just, she just won uh, Miss Junior. She's just taking over at school. She's incredible, such a leader, such an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had the opportunity to really pour into her, even in that area of her life. Um, our 14-year-old son, he, he's into basketball and chemistry, put it together. I don't know. He's like <laughs> a cool nerd. It's a great thing. Uh, our baby girl is 10. Um, she is just the life of the party. Everybody loves Symphony. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, she is literally me in a 10-year-old's body. So, you know, go figure. It's, it's the head-to-head -head thing there. And then we have our baby boy, Asher. Okay, um, okay. Well, we have to pause on this one. We have to pause on this one. Because, yeah. I, again, like seeing your blended family is beautiful. Your bonus kids. I call myself a smom because yeah. has like bad connotations. And I'm also like a smother because I, I like to smother. So I a, a smother a, a small either one will work but I want to I want to pause and take people in a little bit longer on Asher's journey not like the other bonus kids don't matter but mm -hmm. in an uh people.com article that I read in preparation for an interview you guys yeah. I think you and Kenneth were like so honest and open about some of the struggles that you guys were facing with in vitro and before yeah. we talk about the miracle and the bonus and the beautiful and gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. baby Asher, and not I'm 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 gonna upset a whole lot of moms right now, but I'm just gonna be honest. Not all kids are cute, and we just need to be honest with people. We can't lie, you know. Like we should think that they're cute, but they're not. And yet, yo, baby. <gasps> oh my goodness! He's Literally, just... hand to heaven. I shall not tell a lie. Your baby, your miracle, your miracle, like. I mean, the the baby is a miracle. I think he knows it, and he tries to use it on us too. And it's working, and it's working. So, so before we before we take the bow and um take the bow off and unpack the beautiful package of Asher, take me a little bit through the journey of what starting a family with Kenneth, like you guys, mm -hmm. adding to your family, look like, and some of the hurdles that y'all faced. Absolutely. Um, after trying for about three years, we realized, hey, you know, maybe there's something going on that we need to check into. Um, and so we started doing some doctor visits just to check out what was going on within my body, within Kenny's body. And uh, what was found, honestly, was endometriosis for me. So um, the endometriosis was causing some serious issues uh, as far as fertility um, was concerned. And 
here, here we are. You know, you, you, you have, can we just be real? In life, you have this situation as Christians where the promises of God are over, hanging over your head. It's songs about it, you know, where, God, you promised this and you said this, and I don't see how this is going to work in this foggy situation because, you know, the reports from the doctors are not, are not lining up with your promise uh, to us. And so you have, uh, as humans, when we hear a word from God, we devise a plan of action and how it's supposed to come to pass. And so, you know, we're trying to drive God's hands when God is saying, you know, that's the way that you expected it to happen. And it may be the normal way, but I want to do something different with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went through that season where we did the IVF. We tried so many different things and we lost um, we lost a baby right before our, we recorded my album Royalty oh my in Nashville God. at the Ryman. Um, I, went, I went back and I watched that video the other day and I could see it on me. You know, during the time you're just walking it out. I'm thinking, you know, let me just minister to God's people. But I could see the heaviness. I saw the weight and I saw um, sometimes you have to plow through ministry. I saw the plowing. That that was a hard, hard, hard season for me. Um, so much so that I literally had to hear a word from God in the midst of that situation to tell me to go ahead and go to Nashville and do that recording. And I believe that those songs have impacted so many people's lives who may be in a season that's super dark and and it doesn't look like the promises of God will come to pass in your life. And so there are songs on that album that minister to people in that place. And so I believe it was super strategic um, on God's part. But while there, uh, we were at a rehearsal and I I, I wasn't even going to go to rehearsal. I told Kitty, you know, you guys can have it. And let me just put a pin right there because sometimes... Uh, when we're in these um, types of situations, especially as fertility is concerned, um, a lot of times we don't put a lot of um, spotlight on how the father uh, handles these situations because a lot of times they want to be strong for us, you know. And so I, I, I didn't think about it and I had to go back and repent and apologize to Kenny because during that season it was almost a selfishness that I lost a baby and I, 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 when though he was there wiping my tears and, and though he was there holding me up, his heart was just as broken, you know. So I would encourage um, wives um, if you're in a season like this, to, to take some time and ask your your husband how his heart is. I didn't do that until after the fact, but um, I believe I walked through that to have a testimony up for others. So anyway, we went to, um, I didn't do the rehearsal. Um, I wasn't going to do the rehearsal and I ended up going about an hour later and they were uh, singing one of the songs. Um, gosh, I can't even think of the name of the song. Okay, I still can't think of the name of the song. No, please sing it. Just sing it for us. Oh, oh my God. So there's a song on my album called OMG. Um, and the song talks about, look what you've done. And it's just a reminder. It's reminiscing on all of the ways that he's made and the things that he's done. And I sat there in that rehearsal listening to them sing that song. And God just reminded me. He started reminding me. Do you remember when you were such and such and I, and I came through for you? Do I'm, I'm still that same God. And though you might not see my what I'm doing, just know that I'm doing it. Um, and so I stood up and I, I shared with the team that I was, Kenny and I were in a very peculiar season. And it was, um, that that was one of the 
hardest seasons of ministry that I had walked through at that point. And they, the way that they started to minister to us, I mean, they laid hands and began to pray God's strength um, and that God would speak through us, even through those songs. And I, and I knew then that that moment was a part of the reason that I had to be there um, to, to just see that the people who had traveled with me for decades, you know, been ministering with me for years, that they didn't miss it, that when it was time for them to minister to me, that they could take up their beam and do their part. And they did an amazing job. And so after that, um, after that, that's when we came home and um, Kenny and I had a chance to talk and he shared how his heart had been broken and how he had been in prayer. And he said, and one of the things that I, I was praying through is adoption. And we had talked about it before, just really brief, um, but nothing in depth. And I could hear that he had been with God and I said, you know, is this something you really want to pursue? Um, because in, in, you know, we don't have a lot of information about it um, in the black community. Mm-hmm. And so for us to even explore it, where do you start? Who do I call? You know, <laughs> where do I go? And one of my good friends, Jen Johnson from Bethel Music, um, she has uh, two beautiful boys and she shared her story with us and um, she shared her connects, the people that she had gone through. The, the, um, it's a Christian agency uh, that she used and she connected us to them. And immediately they begin to pour into us and speak the word of God over our lives and, mm-hmm. and uh, encourage us and build us up. And weights began to lift off of us and, and we were um, ready again, you know, for God to do what he wanted to do. And we saw it different. Our perspective changed that, you know, God uses so many doors and so many avenues and so many ways that we can't even fathom. Uh, it, it brings a totally different um, perspective to the scripture that his ways are not our ways because he has so many ways, you know, and we have this one way that we're thinking that it works and God is saying, but I have many ways. Um, and so we we started the pursuit of the adoption with, with our baby boy. And it was never overwhelming because we had people in the middle who were interceding on our behalf. Um, I think it's super important, uh, whether you're having natural birth or if you're having a, a, a baby from the heart, um, that you have people in your corner who are praying on your behalf and standing in the gap for you. And we had that. Um, so we went through the process. It took about uh, about five or six months just to get the paperwork, everything. I tell people it's it's not natural labor, labor, but it's labor nonetheless. You know, what I mean? uh, you're birthing something. That there's a gestation yeah. paperwork. <laughs> a lot that you have to go through, and and I, and I believe it's it's important to do so. Um, and so we went through all of the paperwork, and literally the day that we turned it in, it was about. I think the next day after our paperwork was turned in, we we applied to four different agencies. This is a part of the testimony we don't get to share, but it's so important. So I'll I'll tell it here. Um, We we applied to four different agencies uh, where our um, profile would be in their books, in their uh, accounts. And if a mother was to come in um, and our profile matched her expectations, they would call us. Um, It wasn't, it was literally the day after we, uh, apply to those agency agencies where our um, our broker called and she said, this is very interesting. She said um, there was a mother who walked into a small um, agency uh, in Louisiana and she's looking for a family that fits your profile. Now, mind you, we don't know to this day 
how um, the pro our profile got there. We didn't apply to that agency. It was a very small agency. Um, and they called and said, you know, your profile matches and we want to get more information about you. Just a miracle from God. Um, and Asher was due in a month. So we had four weeks <laughs> to get our lives together. And so... Of course, during this process, you the, the um, birth mom, she gets to choose, you know, which family. And so we weren't the only family. There were several different families. Um, but one of the things that our um, the agency told us to do, she called us and she said, I really feel in my spirit that you guys should write a handwritten letter um, to the birth mother. And this was different. She was like, I've never instructed anybody to do this, but I feel like you should. And so Kenny sat down that night and he wrote a letter about our story, our journey, and what God had promised us. And uh, we sent it in. And the next day, so all of this, if you add it up, it happened within a three-day period. Oh. Uh, so the next day, uh, she called us and she said, the, the mother has chosen you guys as the family uh, for this baby boy. We couldn't believe it. Our, our mouths are wide open because sometimes people have waited years. You My know, twin two, sister, she waited a year and a half to get her baby. Yes. Three days. So in three days. Wow. Um, and we had a chance to talk to the birth mother and Kenny asked her, you know, what was what was the one thing, you know, if I could ask, what was the one thing that made you uh, choose us? And her response was, she said, when I read your letter, the baby started kicking. And she said, so oh, I didn't say <laughs> Yeah, I'm telling you, she said, I didn't choose you, he did. Um, so oh. from day from, from that moment into this where Asher has chosen us to be his parents and um oh. God's his story is just so beautiful. I wrote a song about it that you just gotta believe. You know, at the end of the day, when all else fails and it's looking crazy, put your faith in action, mm-hmm. put your faith to work. And that's what we did. We stood firm on the promise of God and Asher has I couldn't have built a better baby for us. I couldn't have sat down and written it down. God does things so well and uh, he's perfect for us. He looks just like us too. Okay, wait. Oh, I was just about to ask that. I was just, there's so many, look at, look at, I have so many more questions to ask you and this is just so fun, but I'm, I'm, we're gonna wrap it up soon. But listen, do you often get that he looks like your biological child? Oh, absolutely. Oh my yeah. God. God is so funny. You no, know, they will say, oh my God, he looks just like he's He mine. does. He does. And he actually looks like a mix of you guys. It's yes. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And is he getting older? He's developing like his personality, his face yeah. isn't I'm like, oh my God. He looks like, like us. <laughs> yes. He acts like us. So he is, he has a lot of uh temperament like me and but also like his dad. It's, it's very interesting. So yeah. <laughs> I love it. I l- this is this is so beautiful. I thank you for those personal details. I feel like there's so much uh, rich. There's so much depthness to you and your story. Um, you are like a good rue. Like there's so much complexity. And the longer it sits, the more the more flavor that's there. Listen, listen. Um, I, I we have to wrap this up. But one of the things that I'm just I, I love about your heart is your heart for the next generation. And your heart for mentoring. Yeah, just address the Justin Bieber bangs. But stop, you know what? It's it's kind of a vibe. Like when it comes to the side, it's like a it's like a full professional look, but like that jagged look, it's like giving me Avril Levine vibe. Like and then your Aaliyah shirt. I was it and I was like, is this gonna be in my eye? Cause I'm 40. But I don't know. It. It's kind of sexy. It's kind of sexy. Okay, listen, this is we I, I didn't think we had time for this, but one of the things that I really love about you is that like you are so you have this beautiful ability to bridge multicultural gaps. Like you are doing songs with Kristen Stanfield from like Passion, but then you're doing songs with like Brandon Lake and Brooke Lizard. Right, right. 
I mean, just so like the fact you're giving me Justin Bieber bangs and people can't see this, but you're wearing an Aaliyah t-shirt and, and you just, I mean, it's just all the things in one. That's why I freaking love you. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Oh, leave, leave it. It's sexy, girl. It's, 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 the Bieber bangs are giving them back. I'm here for it. Okay. As we wrap up. Um, you have a heart for mentoring. I have seen you take people under your wing. I have seen you um, even even uh, mentoring in an untraditional sense. I was w watching your Instagram stories. I think it was two days ago where you were on this call and there's multiple people on the call and you're taking the call from a car. And I mean, I don't know what was going on, but it was very just real. It was very you. you, you, you there was no like glitz and glam and makeup, but you started preaching over people and, and instructing people and you started singing over them. And it was this beautiful moment. I was like, you can tell that this woman has a heart to pour into people. And so mm -hmm. as we wrap up this interview, please uh, share as much as you want about like your heart for mentoring, but you have a you have a captive audience. You are literally in the most intimate places of people that you don't know. You're in their ears right now. Yeah. What wisdom, what mentoring gems can you that's kind of like bubbling up in you and your heart that you just feel like this is a word for a generation. This is a word for some people. I don't know who I'm gonna give it to. Like I'm giving you carte blanche, red carpet right now. Mm -hmm. Your heart for mentoring and what is a message that you would like to give to the next generation? I will share, and I tell this everywhere, I share with, with everybody what my father shared with me. One thing I didn't say about him is that he was a man of very few words. So literally, if he spoke, it was potent and you needed to absorb it and take it in. And so every time my father would speak to me before we ended a conversation, he would say, baby, stay at the feet of Jesus. And I maybe at nine, ten, four, five, I didn't have such a revelation of what that meant. Um, but now, now as I'm older and life throws these things at you, um, it's so easy to um, change your posture or move your position and try to handle things on your own or do it without a a, um, a word from God. And it can be, we can make it so spooky and so deep, but honestly, it is just a posture of your heart that before I make a move with my life, I wanna make sure that God approves of this. You know, we talk about the story of Mary and Martha all the time, how Jesus shows up at Martha's house and that in itself is so loaded, you know, that Jesus, the this Bible actually says he came to Martha's house and she opened the door for him. And I believe that so many times we can open the door and invite him in and say, I want you to be a part. And then when he shows up, our failure is that we we don't sit at his feet. Instead, we, we feel like we got to keep working and I got to keep moving. I got to keep this thing in motion, move towards purpose. I don't want to go towards purpose without a word from him. I don't I don't I don't want to build to build a business. I don't want to stand and mount a platform. I don't want to speak a sermon. I don't want to say a scripture or a word to anybody without without having um, a word from God, without having a push, the unction from God saying, this is what I need you to do. And I believe that Mary just had that revelation that though I could be doing so many things right now, the posture of my heart right now is at his feet. And I, and I believe, I can honestly say that I believe that a lot of the things that God has entrusted me with is because all of my life, I have been committed to that one lesson that my dad taught me, that baby, at the end of the day, make sure that you stay at his feet. And so I encourage everybody, if you can't talk to a mentor, if you can't get in touch with a pastor, if your friends are just all over the place, Find yourself at the feet of Jesus. I promise you, he'll never fail you. This is so beautiful. I'm so grateful for 
not just the gifts on your life. I'm grateful for the person that you are, your commitment to the Lord, your commitment to your family, your commitment to just being the most realist. Um, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm, I'm so honored to be able to have spent time with you and get a little bit more about what's going on in your life. Um, I'm going to put links to your upcoming uh, stuff that's being released soon. And of course, ways to connect on social media in the show notes. But I just want to thank you again for your time. I appreciate you. I'm praying God's blessings upon you. In my prayer life, I still say, Lord, let me sing like Tasha Cobbs. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes when worship is really loud at church, I feel like, you know what? I probably do sound like her. I sound like her. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it all day. <laughs> Will you give my regards to Kenneth? We met one time in New Jersey and just tell him he left an indelible mark on my life to the both of you, to the babies, to your bonus kids, everything. So grateful for you. Thank you for being on the show. I love you. Thank you so much for having me. So grateful. Well, friends, I hope that you have not just learned, but you've also fallen in love with Tasha Cobbs Leonard. She's amazing. You can download her music on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you download your music. You could also follow her on social media at Tasha Cobbs Leonard. And we'll be posting links in the show notes for where you can follow up with more information on her life, her ministry, and what she's up to. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe on Access More or wherever you are listening to your podcast. As always, friends, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. I can't wait for season five because I've been saying since last season, it's a vibe in season five. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review on Access More or wherever you are listening to your podcast. Can't wait to connect next week.